Uh, today we're going to continue on this series of Stand Fast, but in a slanted version of Thanksgiving. And the title of my message today, and I, I, I worded it like this for a specific reason, is Thankful in All Things. There is that place, Jay, just do your best to, to help it out. There is that place where we can be thankful in all things. Now, there's some rough stories I'm, I'm, I'm following even on Facebook of a young boy who is uh, toward the end of his life, and yet how do these words resonate with a family that's going through that? But isn't it interesting from a perspective outside watching somebody go through a very challenging time, you look at it and you go, how in the world, Lord, can they? And yet the people that are in it, God gives them a special grace to handle it. So it's not like they're faking. It's not like, yes, they have their low moments and their high moments. But at the end of the day, God gives all of us a grace for whatever it is that we're facing off with. Should I go to a handheld? I'm going to do that. Handheld it is. Do we have one up there, Ryan? Oh, it does? It sounds ringing. Does it sound ringing? Oh, so George. And so this is a message today to not just tell you to be more thankful. I'm not, that's not the point of this message. As you know, we... We really are very strong here about relational before functional. And so I'm not just going to stand up here and go, hey, guys, please tell God thank you. And please be uh, more thankful for your circumstances and put on a smiley face and, and act a little bit nicer to people. That's not the point of a message like this. I want to show you why and how you're able to be so. How thankful you can be thankful in all things is a possibility inside every single one of your lives. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you things in difficult situations. Does anybody have a difficult situation that they're facing? Not, not people. <laughs> That's a, like my kid, my kid. But uh, I want you to, I want, I'm praying, and this is what my prayer over the last couple of days is, Lord, show them how in that situation they can still be thankful. Because most often we're asking God to take the situation where? wherever, right? Take it away from where I'm at. And so our focus is, get me out of here as fast as possible, Lord. When in fact, as God is really reminding us, there's a place of thankfulness right in there that's so empowering that that no longer is consequential in your life. Now I'm going to share two statements with you. Uh, and I want to start off the message with these two statements. And I believe these things to be very, very true. And I'm going to do my best to help you understand why I believe they to be true. The first one is this, is that there is no negativity in heaven. And this is setting us up to understand why God is joyful. Why in his presence there is fullness of, so it's fullness. So there's no negativity in heaven. And the second statement I want to make is that God doesn't see problems. He only sees possibilities. Now, this is setting us up to understand how we could be thankful because when God looks at the world or when we look at the world, what do we see? 
problems galore. I mean, everywhere is a problem. Everything is a problem. Every statement is a problem. This person's a problem. This way is a problem. This thought process is a problem. There's problems over there and there's problems over there. And so we see problems all the time. But how is it possible that God doesn't see problems, only possibility, because he's been to the end? So when he looks at something, and my uh, John Walsh back there and uh, myself, we had an awesome breakfast the other day, and he reminded me of something I shared uh, uh, some time ago, is when the Patriots were playing the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, they were down 35-3 to at halftime. If you had pre-recorded the game and you knew the final score was 38-35, to the Patriots won, if you're sitting there watching the game knowing the final score, would you be freaking out? You would actually be excited on how are they going to actually do this comeback, right? And so when God looks at the world, he sees it from a perspective of he already had brought the solution to pass. So we look at the world as sin-ridden. He looked at it as Jesus was victorious on that cross. He did away with sin. I reconciled all mankind to myself, and now I'm extending that reconciliation to everybody. And so he's not moved by that, but when we are, we're moved by, by Pepper. Diaper, diaper number eight at 10 a.m. And so God doesn't look at the problems we do. And so when we bring a problem to God, it's, that he, it's not that he dismisses it with us. It's that he says, I want you to see this problem from my perspective. And when you see it from my perspective, you no longer will view it as a problem. Something that is keeping you or holding you back from what God has for you. Why? Because Jesus said these words, all things are possible to who? Them to who, what? Believe. All things are possible. And so he sees it from a possibility standpoint. So there's no negativity in heaven and there's no what? Problems that he sees in heaven. He only sees the possibility of his promise being fulfilled. Now those are important statements. Whether you agree with them yet or not, that's okay they're important to understand what I'm about to say. So a thankful or a grateful attitude or disposition, it's a revealer that you're able or you have been able to see things from his perspective. So when God looks at a particular situation, it doesn't produce sorrow in him. It doesn't produce disappointment in him. He actually is, in his presence, there is fullness of, of joy. And so when we start to see something from his perspective, when he's, we start to see something from his lens, gratitude is the automatic response. But so many years as believers we're taught, hey, be thankful. Hey, start to, start to thank God more. Start to write down a list of all the things that you're thankful for and try to be thankful. This is not a trying game. This is not a function that I'm trying to encourage you guys to be more better at. This is once you see from his perspective the life that you're living or going through, you start to go, man, God, I'm so grateful for what I can see now in this situation. Because when you start to see from his perspective, and I remember when the Lord took me through this process, he leads you to a place of what? Contentment. Now, contentment doesn't mean, hey, I'm just going to accept things as they are. It's just I am grateful that there's one who is walking through the situation with me 
and that he's leading me to where he, he wants me to go. And so I'm content. And let me just do my best to explain this. I am at a place of contentment because I see life not from a problem perspective. I see it from a possibility perspective. Is anybody catching what I'm saying so far? I Hopefully I can make some sense. So it says in Psalms uh, one, or 16 verse 11, it says, Show me the path of life, for in your presence, you can put that on the screen, in your presence is what? Fullness of joy. So as I enter into his presence, the reason why there's a fullness of joy is only because of one thing, perspective. Okay, so I come with my problems. I now bring my problems into the presence of God. What does God do? He says, I want to now show you how I see them. And how many times have you ever spent time in prayer and you walked out of that time still worried, still fearful, still doubting, still upset at whatever it is. It's because you didn't get an upgrade to see something while you were there. So if you went to the restaurant hungry and you ordered the food and they brought the food out, if you walked away from that restaurant just as hungry as when you entered, it's because you didn't what? You didn't partake of what you were there for. And sometimes we come into the presence of God and we just start spewing off problems. Like, boom, 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 boom. This, this, my, my spouse did this and my boss is this way and this person, Lord, and take this away from me. And Lord, why did this happen to me? And Lord, when are you going to start to change this? And Lord, you promised this. And Lord, you spoke this over my life and this hasn't happened. And, and Father, I'm going to start, I'm going to lose this in my life. And financially, I don't know what I'm going to do there, Lord. And so what happens is, the whole conversation is not about partaking of his perspective. It's like we're trying to convince God how big my problem is, Lord. And do you get it, Lord? I can't take this anymore because my problem is too what? It's too big. And I can just see God going, okay, all right. Oh, wow, that's a, that's a big problem you're facing there. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. How are we going to handle that situation? And and, and, and that's not casting your care. That is actually trying to persuade God that what I'm going through, I need you to take it because I can't take it. When in fact, what if you went into the presence of God and said, Lord, oh gosh, who's, who's playing games? The postmas. You bring in the presence of God, you bring your problem to the presence of God and go, God, I give you this problem and I need you to show me how you see this. And show me the promise that is attached to this problem. Now, as you linger there with the presence of God and he begins to go, okay, Justin, I want to show you who I am to you in this situation. I want to show you what this problem, the purpose of this problem inside your life, because this problem actually has the purpose. Let's say you have a marriage problem. What the Lord says, this problem actually is designed to bring you guys stronger together. And then you start walking in the promises of God. You, go, you start going, you know, Lord, thank you. I thank you that what we're going through is actually helping us to actually have a strong marriage toward the end rather than one that's gone. So far, so good. Okay, so I walk out of his presence, so to speak. I walk out of there doing that. I walk out of there going, all right, this is good. This isn't as bleak as I thought it was. This isn't as bad as I thought it was. God, thank you for helping me to see who you are in this situation, but also how you see it. And so for centuries, 
Actually, let me just back real, real quick. I want to I try to explain one more thing. In Luke chapter 15, there's a parable of a sheep that was lost. And there was a parable of a son that was wandering, the prodigal son. Think about this. Why did one parable, the shepherd go after the sheep? And in the other parable, the father stayed home. And both represent God. And I want you to see something that I, I literally just saw this this morning, but I think it helps us understand the God that we're partnering with. Is God doesn't freak out about both. God doesn't judge both of them. God doesn't begin to criticize both of them. God knows the end result. So in the sheep's story, God would know this one can't find their way back. And God goes and meets them right where they are. In this story, God knows, and if in his infinite wisdom, and this is for you parents to realize, sometimes you chase them down, and sometimes you rest and let them come back. And in this story, God knows he's coming back. In both cases, there was a reception of joy. And it was the wisdom of God, and I say that because as parents, we can begin to see, and this is why I make the connection, we can begin to see the problem. Oh, my kid is, he's walking that way. And so out of fear, what do we do? We start to just press, 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 press. And there's times where you know what, there's no pressing necessary because maybe you're just supposed to say, God, I thank you that they're in their hands. And at one point, Lord, you're going to show me you're going to bring them back. And when you bring them back, I will be here with open arms to love them and to guide them and to nurture them. And then there's times where the Lord goes, you know what? They're not finding their way back. Go, go find them. And then what happens is now it, there's a possibility, there's a belief, there's understanding with you and God that this relationship of how he sees the situation. And that's why it's important to understand when I say that God doesn't see problems. He only sees possibilities because he sees it from a perspective that we have no idea about. And so for centuries, people in many countries have held certain festivals as the one we're celebrating this coming days for the bounty of the land and the blessings of life. And in our history, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln established a national holiday in the United States as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our Father, our Heavenly Father. And that's what we get to do. But how do you live that out every single day? When I look through the scriptures, I don't see the example of Jesus being, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's not what we're referring to. It's a disposition. It's an attitude toward life that life has not caused you to look at it and go, Why? Life has caused you to look at it and go, thank you, Lord. You are so good. And somebody looks at your situation and goes, how can you say that? Why are you going through that if he's good? Oh, because that has nothing to do with his goodness. It's what attached to what I'm going through and who he is to me. That is everything I have, everything to be thankful for. So sometimes I know life can be hard. I want to read a story to you about an individual who had a hard life. Few of us would ever come close to the challenges that he faced. It says, now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating. This is speaking of Job. And they were drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And when the Sabians raised them or raided them and took them away. 
Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped. So all the servants are now gone, and the cattle are gone. While he was still speaking, another came to him and said, The fire of God fell from heaven. Now think about this. While he was still there, just heard about his servants, heard about all his cattle, another came to him and said these words. Uh, uh, let me see. The fire of God fell from heaven, burned up all the sheep and their servants, and consumed them. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said to him, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped. So it's him and three other people. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came across from the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped. Now there's four with them. Then Job arose. I, was, I want you to see something, because there's no pretending here, and I want you to see this first. You can put that on the screen, Nico. It said, Job arose. We're going to look at verse 21 and 22. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and what? Worshipped. Everything that he just experienced, he shaved his head, tore his robe, fell to the ground, and he began to worship God. And it says these words, and he said to the God, he said to God, now look at this response. This is not Christianity 101. This is not how you, uh, you guys just respond like that. Make sure you put that on a card and say it over and over and over and over and over and over and over until you're a thankful person. No, there's a disposition that he knew something about this God that he was with. And of course, we know his journey. It was hard. He actually asked God all the hard questions. And it says, naked I came from my mother's room. And naked I will return. This is the contentment I'm talking to you about. When you're at a place of contentment, Life no longer determines who you are with God and who God is to you. And now I know this phrase is a tough phrase for a lot of people who grew up a certain way, but it says, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin. Now look at this. Nor charge God with the wrong. Now look at the verse again before it. The Lord gave, and the Lord has what? Like Job resigned that, Lord, you have all that power to do so. But it's said in verse 22 that he did not charge God to this wrongdoing. Are you following me? There's a place and attitude of God of going, Lord, naked I came, naked I'm going to go. You give and you have the power to take away. Blessed are you no matter what I'm going through. In all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he charge God with this wrong. I know some of you during this season face off with loss. I know my wife does. And every moment she wants to escape away from the holidays right now because she lost her mother. But what I love about this is that he didn't deny something. He didn't ask God why at that point. He just simply did not charge God with the wrong. And I'm not sure what has happened in your life, and I'm not sure how the challenges that you face. All I want to encourage you is God didn't do that. God is not the culprit behind your pain. He's not the one that's trying to hurt you. And he's not the one that is trying to take things away and make you unhappy and make your life miserable. Don't charge that to him doing something wrong to you. It is a true statement. I believe it with all my heart that he is always 
good. He always has your best in mind. No matter what you go through, he has your best in mind and he's always setting you up. He was setting even in the midst of some horrible news. I still believe, and I believe Job would, God is always good. He always has your best in mind, Job, and he's always setting you up to succeed in what he's called you to do. And so true joy comes from the seeds of thanksgiving. If you want to walk in joy, if you want to experience that joy that God has, you just begin to plant seeds here and there of thankfulness and thankfulness and thankfulness. And how do you plant those seeds? By saying, God, help me to see what you see. Help me to see in this dire situation of my kid wandering away from the Lord. Help me to see what you see, Lord. In this dire situation of the doctor's report that I just got, God, help me to see the blessing in this. Help me to see what you see in this situation. And he may show you something powerful. And that's when you begin to just plant the seeds of thanksgiving. And what happens is it begins to produce inside of your life joy. Joy that's not moved. Joy that is firmly planted, not in circumstances. Joy that is planted in the goodness of God. That's the only soil that you can plant the thankfulness inside of. Because that's when it begins to produce inside so that no matter what comes your way, you always remain in the presence of God. And in the presence of God is fullness of, of joy. A great Bible commentary, uh, commentator said these words, Matthew Henry, he's one of the best. He said, he was once robbed as he walked along a, a side of a street, an alley area where he lived. And afterwards, after he was robbed, as you know, that experience can be very frightening, but also very uh, violating. And he said afterwards, he told his friends there were four things which he gave thanks for that situation. The first was that he was grateful that he had never been robbed before. I just want you to see perspective. I want you to see how God can upgrade you and build you up and lift you to a place of seeing something a little bit different than maybe you do. How many know we believe we're right? And when we see a situation, oh, we believe we're really right. And then when we're emotional, we know we're really right. Like there's no changing my mind because I know what I saw and I know what I'm going through. And he says, you know what? I'm grateful that I've never been robbed before. That in all these years, nobody ever took that stuff from me. And secondly, although they took all my money, I'm glad they didn't have to take very much. That's something to be thankful for. And thirdly, he said, they took my money, but they didn't take my life. And I'm grateful for that. And finally, he suggested, I'm thankful that it was I who was robbed and not I who had to rob. This was a man who had learned what it meant to overflow with thankfulness no matter the situation. And he didn't have to grumble because of what he didn't get or what happened to him or why it happened to him. He was able to see in that situation something that was good. And Paul gives us a glimpse in 1 Thessalonians. He gives us a glimpse into what God's will is for us. You can put that on the screen. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. But I also want you to see something. When, you, when we read this together... I want you to know that what comes with this is a grace to do it. So this is not like, hey guys, make sure you do this and do your best and try really hard at making sure this is really good in your life. No, he says, I'm going to empower you by my spirit to show you how to do this no matter what you face. Verse number 16 says what? 
That was, that was powerful, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> All right, this first two words say what? Okay, rejoice always. There's literally no wriggle room. How, how is that possible? But it says rejoice always. Paul is telling the church there at Thessalonica, he says rejoice always. And I can, I can imagine somebody reading that letter to the church and somebody in that church just begin to go, oh, that's weird, that sounds good, but that doesn't, that's not real life. Like there's no, there's no reality to that. But he said rejoice always. He said pray without ceasing and think about a grace that always comes with these things. And in everything, do what? Now I want you to get that picture of those two words and I'm sure you've heard, you've heard it before, um, but the picture to me just helps is you're giving God something. What are you giving him? You're giving him thanks. There's not much you can do to repay God. In fact, you can't do anything to repay God, but you can give him something which you can give him what? Thanks. And it's not just a simply thank you. It's a posture toward him of saying, Father, thank you that I can see life from your perspective, that your ways are not on my ways and your, 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 your thoughts are not my thoughts. And Father, I just want to say thank you for helping me to see the way that you see it. And it says, for this is the will of of God. I love that statement. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will. And why is it God's will? Because if we are a people that see life from his perspective, we now become lights in a dark world. We now actually begin to expose the goodness of God. We expose the glory of God. We begin to expose who this God is that we serve. So no, no matter how dark it is, we can always introduce a person to a light that they've never experienced before. And it says, in everything, give thanks. And so put yourself in that situation. I don't know what challenge that you're facing, but put yourself in the worst challenge that you're particularly going against. And he says these words, in that, give thanks. And we're going to see how that's possible in just a moment. For this is the will of God, where? In Christ. I don't know if this will make sense to you, but you were placed in Christ when you were saved. So if you have a problem, where is the problem? In Christ. And just like my daughter was going through that line saying, Daddy, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. And she was going through the line and she's fearful. What I was about to do for her is I was about to give her a perspective that she would never have been able to see from the earth. Or from the ground. And I was about to upgrade her viewpoint so that even the buildings that she looked up with or looked up at and they're so big from this new perspective, she's gonna see buildings completely different. And this is exactly what God does with us. Look at Colossians chapter three. If then and this is why it's important to know that you're in Christ and the problems are in Christ. If then you were raised with who? Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God and set your mind where? There's a story of, uh, I was sharing with John the other day, there's a story of a pilot um, who was learning to get his license, a young man, and he was being mentored by somebody who has been a pilot for many, many years, nearly 45 years. And so he was on his practice run. That mentor of his was in the, the, the station communicating to him over radio. And as they were flying up, or as this gentleman was flying up in his practice run, he was 30,000 feet in the air, and what he noticed by his feet was a rat. 
petrified. Like he didn't know what to do, but this guy was a jokester, so they didn't think he was telling the truth. So he's over the intercom saying, there is a rat by my feet. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't want him to chew through any particular wires while I'm up here 30,000 feet. And the other guy was saying, well, try to stomp on him. You know, one of the guys on the, the radio trying to try to try to get him away from any of the, the wires. And then the mentor said these words, and it just spoke volumes to me. He said, uh, just take the plane to 50,000 feet and put your oxygen mask on. That's exactly what happened. He took it up to 50,000 feet, and what did the rat do? He died. He passed out and died. And I think God is the same thing. He goes, okay, you got your problem? Okay, we're going to go about 50,000 feet. Are you ready for this? And he's going to take you to a perspective, and that's what he does. He says, set your mind, Justin, on things above. I know what your problems are. I know what you're going through. I know how you see them. I want to take you up. I want to take you to where Christ is in the heavenly places. I want you to see them from my perspective because when you do, your problems can't live here. And what does that mean? It means that when there's a rat by your feet at 30,000 feet, what are you doing with your feet? Right? You're like this. Oh, you're like, oh, no. You know, trying to keep the feet up and doing the same thing with the thing. When the rat is dead and it's no longer moving, what are your feet doing? It's at a place of what? It's rest. And that's where God brings us. And so how many feel like your feet are doing this? Like, oh, dear Lord, just get this rat out of me. And we're praying that the Lord take us out. And he says, I don't know. I'm not going to take the rat away from you. But I'm going to take you to a place where the rat no longer has a power to mess with you anymore. Isn't that a cool illustration? And it's the same thing that God does. And so this may take time. For me, when I learned about rest, it was three and a half months of him teaching me how to see what I was going through with Sarah and what we were going through financially to get my feet from stop wiggling. Three and a half, three and a half months, my feet were wiggling over a particular situation because it was every single day that I was facing it. And he was saying, okay, 31,000, 32,000, 33,000, 34,000. And my, my initial prayers at that time were like, the rat is still alive. The rat is still alive. The rat is still alive. And it's just like, no, no, Justin, keep coming back. I'm showing you something. But there's not going to be instantaneous. And for many of you, some circumstances, man, they just got you tied up in knots on the inside, anxiety. Your physical body is actually experiencing it. And so our prayer is, Lord, just get me out of this. Just take this away. And God's going, no, 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 just take a journey with me. And we go up, and we go up, and we go up, and we go up, and there's a place. And I remember it so vividly. I was in, uh, I woke up in our townhome in Frankfurt in 2017, and I woke up, and I knew the rat had suffocated. It no longer was stirring up any anxiety internally. My feet were no longer wiggling, but I knew the problem was still there. And so what did I realize? I was upgraded. I actually now could see it from a brand new perspective. I wasn't pretending anymore. I could now talk to people about what I was going through with Sarah and financially. And it wasn't like it caused me any embarrassment or it caused me any anxiety because I knew the Lord upgraded me and he took me to a place where that no longer was moving me. Sarah's not here, so I think I can freely... No, this... I, no, it's actually a, a very somber story. So it sounds like a joke, but it's not. When her mom passed away, uh, she passed away in a very not, not so good way. And I was the one that found her mom. And I remember going to 
bed that night. And, and this is the grace of God, but I remember going to bed and I couldn't fall asleep because of the picture that I saw. And this is the enemy whispered in my ear at 2 a.m. I went to bed, I actually one, so it was 2.30 a.m. Fell asleep finally by three, but the enemy whispered this in my ear. You will forever be tormented by that picture. Ever. It will forever haunt you. And I, I'm sure you experienced those thoughts before where you realized that, but I, I, this is after the time where I already learned how to rest, and so it was such an equipping process where I, the, the Lord whispered back and says, but you don't have to, my son. And I said, okay, Lord, help me to show me how to rest in this because that picture is frightening. And he showed me. The next day we went to go do the little visitation with her before she was going to be cremated. And, uh, of course, the family was all there. We were all at a time. It was hard to get Sarah out of that room. But finally, when she got out, she was the last person to leave, I walked back in. This is the wisdom of God. I know it. He, he walked me back in. And I went up to her and I said, Kathy, I release you. And that picture you have, that picture I have of you in my mind is broken in Jesus' name. And I never dealt with it ever again. I can see the picture in my mind and it has no more power. And I'm telling you, there's a place where God takes you and he says, set your mind where? Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. Because when you set your mind on the things of this earth, it's going to overwhelm you. It's going to make you full of anxiety. Your feet are going to wiggle thinking that rat needs to die. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Just keep on going higher with me. Keep on coming up with me. And I want you to know, guys, that is a process. That is God saying, I'm not going to do this quick. Some of it seems quick. Like that picture, the power of it was broken in over 24 hours. That was quick. And the other circumstance, there's three and a half months. And God knows where you're at. And he doesn't want us to learn how to pretend this thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we, we can put on a smile on Sunday morning. And I want you to know at New Day, take your mask off. Take your, take your cape off and come in here and realize, man, God only meets people right where they are, so he's going to know where you're at. And not a single person in here is judging you for where you're at. But my encouragement is to call you up and say, man, God has a place higher up that your problems suffocate and they no longer can terrify you. They no longer can move you. They no longer can produce anxiety and depression. Why? Not because you're super Christian, but because you see it from his level in his perspective. And so problems and promises. Think about this. And this is a cool story. One of her children, which we don't have any children like this, were rebelling against the Lord. <laughs> Ruth Bell Graham found herself torn apart by the worry she was experiencing. And so one night while they were traveling abroad, she woke up suddenly in the middle of the night worrying about her son. And that current of worry surged through her body like an electrical shock. And she laid in bed and she tried to pray. I'm sure many of you have the same experience. She tried to pray, but she suffered from anxiety overtaking her. One fear about her child was piling up upon another. And she looked at the clock and it was around 3 o'clock in the morning. She was exhausted Yet she knew she would be unable to go back to sleep. And suddenly the, the Lord seemed to say quietly to her heart, how about you quit studying the problem and start studying my promises? And it was at that moment where she began to now dive into the promises of God. Why? Because the promises are here and the problems are here. 
And when you start to study the promises of God, it's attached to the one who promised it. And he takes you to a perspective. And now you're no longer seeing problems. You're only seeing possibilities. Thanksgiving requires participation. It begins where? Right in the heart. It begins seeing from a new perspective so that you begin to look at life from a new and fresh perspective. But it needs participation. It needs to be expressed through the what? The mouth. And I'm telling you, that's how you fight your battles. I know that song is maybe come and gone. It's a powerful song. But when you're going through what you're going through, it's important that you fight your battles with your mouth. Because what happens is if this thing is going over and over and over. How many have been there before? It's like it just takes you down a spiral and you're like, holy cow. Oh my, oh my, it's getting worse. What's going on? I mean, all I'm doing is thinking about it and it's getting worse. And this is what it says in Psalms 34, verse number one. As they finish on their phones back there. It says, I will what? I will bless, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When you have a cologne bottle, that cologne bottle is great. It looks great, but only until you what? Spray it. Will you experience what is inside there? And it's great to be grateful in your hearts, but there are times when you get knocked off your, 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 your rails and you start to go, man, God, what happened? Father, I just praise you right now. I don't know what else to do. Every, I, I want to call, call some of my friends right now. I want to call my spouse right now. I, Father, I just want to complain, but Father, yet I am going to praise you right now. My body doesn't feel like it. My mind is going crazy. I don't know how this is going to work out, but yet I praise you. And I bless you, Lord, for you are the creator of the universe, and you are my side. And Father, I trust you more than I trust in what I'm going through. And I will bless you at all times with what? My mouth. And as I do that, I start to sense me rising up and going, you know what, Father? I don't have to figure this thing out. I don't have to strategize with you on how to make this thing work out. All I have to do is begin to praise you. And it's like this spirit empowers you to go, you can do this. You can put the gloves back on, stand back up, and go and fight once again. And so now, what do we do with that? We must now remain steadfast where? In thankfulness. You keep that lens on. Keep his, his lens on because eventually life will go, oh, how's that working out for you? You say you can see it from God's perspective, but why is nothing? Yep, why is nothing happening? Why is nothing changing for you? Why do you keep on believing God and nothing changes for you? Why do you keep on worshiping God and you're still going through the same thing that you've gone through all along? And so what happens is we take off the glasses, we pick up the problem ones and we go, oh my gosh. And now we go in the presence of God again and go, Lord, why? When? God, how are you? And God, oh, what about this? And God, this is going to happen. And God goes, wait, 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 wait. Take them off. Let's put them back on. Now let's talk. And you stand fast in that place of thankfulness. And so when you go into the presence of God, it says come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart. So look at Ephesians chapter 5. And we have two more passages. Uh, I think it's, just so you know, I think it's supposed to be 5. I typed the wrong thing. It says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be what? I have noticed personally that the neglect 
of receiving from God has led me to drift away from seeing rightly. How many know our buckets, all of us, have holes in it? That you may have been filled this morning, but tomorrow morning, <laughs> that bucket may have leaked a little bit. And when it leaks, how do I know when it's leaking? When I start to see things from my perspective. And so when I get filled with the presence of God, I start to see things the way that he sees them. And it says, now, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, what's coming out? You start speaking to another one, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Now, some of you look at that and go, maybe some young people too, be like, uh, that's weird. And that seems boring life. Like, why would we talk about that? Let's talk about what's going on in Netflix or on Disney Plus or whatever it is that we're watching. No, no, no. When you're filled with the Spirit, and this is how I, I see it in my own life, when I realize I'm lacking something that God has for me, I start talking about things that are unnecessary to the very things that God has for me in that situation. I actually start talking to people more about the situation than I do about what God promised in that situation. And it says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. How many can do that while you're, you're facing off with a, tr a problem? When you see it from an earthly perspective... Is that rising up in your heart? No, you're keeping cuss words down. Like you're like, don't, don't, come on, don't come out on Sunday especially, you know? Attitude, stay back, stay in the car. But when you're filled, this is what begins to rise up in you. And now it says this, giving, this is the hardest verse in the Bible. Giving thanks for what? I think he, I think he miswrote that, don't you? He says, giving thanks for what? All things. To who? The Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's finish off with this passage. It comes from Colossians chapters 2, verse number 6 and 7. And it says these words. I want you to see these first two. As you therefore have what? Everything about this Christian walk is first receiving. Everything. Everything is relational before it's functional. And so it's all about what? Receiving. And then what do I do after I receive? I walk in that what I received. So if you want joy, what do you do? Receive it first and then walk in it. Receive and then walk. Receive and then walk. Receive and then walk. So I receive Christ and then I walk in Him. And now as I'm doing, as I'm walking in Him, I'm being rooted and built up where? Not at New Day Church. Where? In Him. That's very important. You are not putting your roots here. You are putting your roots in him. You're not putting your roots in me. You are putting your roots where? In him. You're not putting your roots just in your own interpretation of this. You're putting your roots in him. That is when nothing, no matter who falls away, no matter who walks away from Christ, it no longer takes you with them because you were not rooted in whatever it is that fell away. You were rooted where? In Him. And it says, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding with what? So that's the end of the road is when we realize there's no negativity in heaven. So when my language to God is all negative, what's God going to do? 
I want to see what your answers are. What's God going to do? <laughs> You're like, I don't know what he's going to do, okay? <laughs> Just tell me the answer. Remember, God is relational. And he wants, the more you get around him, the more that he begins to rub off on you. And he just simply says, just like Elijah told his servant, when the servant came out, he goes, oh, man, master, they're, they're surrounding us. Like, they're around this entire mountain. We're going to die. And Elijah, like, got out of the tent. He goes, okay, we're okay. No, 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 you, no, no, look it. They're all out there. And somehow they know who you are and they want to kill you. And I'm with you. We're dead. And Elijah said these words, Lord, open his and it's the same thing I, I know God does with us is, Justin, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to see something. Just get on the, the, the Ferris wheel with me. But do we have to, Lord? I really am so scared. Yeah, get on the Ferris. I want you to see something. And it's as we get to the top that he didn't have to tell us anything. He just literally saw what he saw. And we felt so secure. That then we can say with our, we can do what? Abound in thanksgiving. Why? I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't even know how the circumstances are going to turn out, but Father, I am at a place of rest and I'm good. And let me finish off with this one final thought. I don't know if it will resonate with you, but it has with me greatly since yesterday is Adam's first day on this earth was God's day of rest. Now think about this. The first day that he's going to experience after being created was, Adam, rest with me and enjoy everything that I finished for us. Jesus did what? He finished the work that he came to do. Hebrews 4 says, enter into my rest. And that's where he's inviting all of us is to say, not, whoa, calm down, Justin. No, no, no. I want to show you something. And as you see it, when you're, as you see it, you go, oh, this is why you're so calm, cool, and collected, Lord. This makes sense. How do I live here? I'm going to show you how to set your where, your mind on things here. And sometimes it's a process of God taking us to where we set our minds here and go, okay, God, I will never forget this, what you just showed me about this particular problem. And now I know I'm walking in the freedom and the rest that only you can give. And therefore I can look and go, Lord, thank you for turning this thing out for my good. I now see how all things can work together for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. I now know that you're working in my life, and you will finish the work that you've come to do. Amen? So, Father, we just take a moment to just enjoy you and just to receive your perspective. Father, I know there's people in this room that are going through some very challenging times. If you're having trouble just seeing the good, would you just please stand? You're having trouble to see the good in the situation that you're facing. Because I'm not here to tell you to pretend or to see it. 
Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Open her eyes to see. To see what you see, Father God, about her situation. Father, I thank you for Betty to see, Father God. Open her eyes to see. To see what you see in this situation, Father God. I thank you that she will put her trust in you. Just receive, guys. After I pray for you, just receive. Father, I thank you for Carl. Help him to see it, Father God. Help him to see it. Help him to receive. Help him to, to hear your voice in this situation of, of how you're going to turn things around, Father God. Thank you for Elizabeth. Help her to see it, Lord. And help her to receive what you have, Father. For Jean, Father God, in Jesus' name, help her to see it. And help her to receive. For Christy, Father God, in Jesus' name, help her to see. And help her to receive, Father God. For Angel, Father God, thank you. Help her to see it. And help her to receive. Whatever just begins to come to your, your heart, just begin to thank him for whatever it is. Ask him, receive. Father, help, help my dad just to see it and to receive, Father God. Open his eyes. Help us to see it, Father God. Help us to see. Take us higher. Take us to the level where you see things, Father God, so that we can begin to rejoice always and pray without ceasing and be thankful in all things. Help Valerie to see what you see, Father God, and to receive it in Jesus' name. For Mike and Roberta and their family, Father, help them to see. Help them to see, Father God. Help them to see your goodness, Lord. Help them to see your comfort and your love in Jesus' name. Help them to receive right now. And let your just thanksgiving just begin to go out. We're going to sing in just a moment, but let your thanksgiving come out of your mouth. Father, thank you for Phil. Help him to receive it. Help him to see what you have. And Father, help, help him to receive the fullness of it in Jesus' name. And Father John, I thank you in Jesus' name that you help him to see it. So Father, we just give you praise and we just give you thanksgiving and we just begin to magnify you with our words and glorify you with our tongue. And bless your holy name, Father God, for you are worthy, Father God. Take us higher to another level to see what you see, Father God. We bless you today. No matter what we're going through, Father God, help us to see what you see, Father God, about our kids, about our future, about you, and about us, Father God. And so we bless your name today. On our lips continually will be a sacrifice of praise unto you, Lord God. Holy Spirit, empower your sons and daughters. Empower them to live the life that you call them to live. That we're not trying to do the Christian thing. We're not trying to be more thankful. We're sons and daughters who have been raised with Christ Jesus. And we choose today to set our minds upon your perspective. And may gratitude be the result. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Jesus some praise. Amen. Just stay in that attitude of praise. We're going to sing one more song. It's the last week. If you want to give to our RIP medical debt, we're, we're collaborating with nine churches, and I think we're close to covering 7.5 million.